Welcome to Noclip, the podcast that's like a book club for people who don't think that books reward them enough for being good at them. I'm Chad Rutherman's. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today, we're going to be talking on our 150th episode about Super Mario 64, a game that was developed by Nintendo EAD, published by Nintendo, and was released in 1996 on the Nintendo 64. But first, if you give us a like or a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. So, Super Mario 64. If I have to explain (laughs) Super Mario 64 to you, uh, then I think, actually, you're in the right place. Because (laughs) uh, because we're we're talking about video games, and this is sort of the granddaddy of uh, what a lot of people probably think of as video games at this point. Uh... So, this does serve as a bit of a history lesson, but before we go into that, uh, it's been 150 episodes, and we're just now talking about (laughs) Super Mario 64. Um, Why is that? Uh, I think it's because in my head, like, you hate this game. (laughs) (laughs) And not that I think it's, like, perfect or anything, Mm -hmm. but I feel like an episode where we just kind of dump on it is weird wouldn't be fun yeah (laughs) well here we are prepare yourself for an hour and a half uh of this um but yeah i think i think that is kind of a big part i think uh if you're gonna if you do a podcast for eight years which Mm -hmm. we're coming up on you have thought about doing super mario 64 yeah also we used to have a third co-host who doesn't like platformers right and it would be extremely weird to have a podcast in which the 66% <laughs> of the people on it were like, I don't know, Mario 64 is actually not very good. <laughs> not to burn my thesis up front, uh, because it's not really true. That's not what I actually think. Uh, but yeah, it, it was definitely something that sat... We thought about it a few times, and then all kind of had the idea of, let's just skip it mm-hmm. for now. There's a million people who've talked about Mario 64. Also that. Yeah, you you probably know a pretty decent amount of it. You Almost certainly more than I do. <laughs> uh, even without listening to a lot of stuff. You, just cultural osmosis. You will have gotten a lot of Mario 64 in your life. Um, but it is an important game. And it's something that I do want to talk about and discuss, especially in comparison, we've done like fucking what, 230 games Mm -hmm. in the last few years. Uh, I would say one or two of those probably got inspired a bit by (laughs) Super Mario 64. Yeah. Uh, so it is, it is something that, that it, that should be talked about and acknowledged because it is such a, a, a point in history. Um, so yeah, Super Mario 64 is a 3D platformer, uh, not a collectathon. Uh, sort of, it has collectibles, but it is not in that vein. It sort of invented the genre, and that became a spin-off that the Mario games later sort of adopted. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas this game, and also Mario Sunshine, and uh, the Galaxy games are more traditional in their 3d platforming uh and then i'll spin off of this as it's as the 3d mario series so Mm -hmm. um yeah super mario 64 is one of the 
like three or four Super Mario games that I have not finished. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I really, I feel like it's probably going to be beneficial for you to sort of take the lead on this one. Sure, sure. Like, I was just wondering if this is a game that you played as a kid. Right. Because for me, like, I am a classic 30-something. Uh-huh. Or this game is... So some of my earliest video game memories, I think like this and like Pokemon Red and Blue, mm-hmm. informed a lot of like what games I like today. Um, so yeah, like I know the like beginning of this game so well, I could probably program it. Uh, all of like the sound effects and the music are really embedded in my brain. I feel like when I'm old, you could probably play music and sound effects from this game, and it will like make me tear up. Like, it's just, like, that embedded in my brain. It makes me think of being a kid. Um, So, yeah. So, I'm one of those people. Uh, So, I just... I couldn't remember if you didn't have this game somehow as an N64 owner uh, when you were younger, or if you just always kind of bounced off of it. No, so... uh... As you said, I am I am not a typical 30-something, because I am uh, 19. Uh, the first video game I ever played was Minecraft, uh, and I'm representing Gen Z here on the podcast. Um, however, uh, all of that is wrong. I did not somehow own this game as a kid. If you were to boil down my thoughts on this, um, I have played Super Mario 64 a dozen times. I've picked the game up and tried to play it several times, and every single time that I play the game, it is worse than I remember it being. <laughs> I think that because I did not play this game as a kid, or for that matter, anywhere close to its original release, uh, there is no growing to like this game for me. I don't think that this game gets better. Um, like, for me personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is sort of like, that was my thesis going in. It's like, anything that I say about this game, you have to understand that this is coming from a person who, even though I understand the context and will try and put any criticisms I have in context where it is possible, uh, I played it in, like, for the first time in, like, 2008 or something yeah like it was i was an adult around the time yeah that i got that so uh, i i did have an n64 i did not own this game we never bought it i never rented it um the first 3d mario game that i ever played was super mario sunshine so Mm -hmm. uh it, it really is just like there's a gulf of understanding between me and somebody who played this game growing up yeah, yeah, and I think that sort of thing is okay. Um, I feel like it's it's something interesting that I was thinking a lot about uh, while replaying it this time because like, like because obviously you can watch like speed runs of this game, right? Mm-hmm. And like people do all this crazy shit, so you're like, oh man, it must be like really precise. <laughs> but then like if you play it now and you're not familiar with it, I'm sure it feels super janky um, because like it really doesn't control like games like even a console generation after this like if you grew up like playing a lot of ps2 games like it just it it feels just a lot different um and like when we played like the metal gear solid games i know like to me those feel pretty janky um and to like especially like metal gear even metal gear solid 2 
I thought had like a way too many like buttons and fiddly things. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think to you, like it feels smooth and good. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I was just wondering about like, does that make a game bad or like what what does that mean for a game where like there's like a dividing line where a lot of people like think it feels good and like tight to play but then like there's other people who if they come to it like long after it's released think it feels like garbage right like i just think that's like an interesting thing to think about yeah i think that uh I I had a thing about this, so I'm, I am glad that we we came here. Uh, and that is, if you're anything like me, then the only person, the only people that you have seen play Super Mario sixty four <laughs> other than yourself in the last fifteen years are insanely good at it. Uh, and so the lived experience of Super Mario sixty four is very different than the experience of actually playing it now. Uh, and it is something that you have to get used to in order for it to work. I think that the jankiness in both in Mario 64 and I'm going to make an argument to a lesser extent <laughs> in Metal Gear is has to be viewed as more of a product of its time. I think you have to look past the controls in the modern day, try and put it in context with its contemporaries, and then look at game design in order to say whether or not it is good or bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mario 64, notably, does not have contemporaries. It was the first 3D platformer for the N64. Uh, the whole console was effectively designed around what they were doing with Super Mario at the time. Uh, they were striking out into a new way, and if anybody thinks that the first time that you do something, it's going to turn out perfect, they're fucking insane. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think that if you look at Mario 64 from a game feel standpoint, I think that most people being honest with themselves would agree that it is weaker than a lot of what we consider to be like a retro platformer. Mm-hmm. It feels a lot less precise than the 2D games from previous generations, and it feels less precise than other 3D platformers that came later uh, that weren't Space Station Silicon Valley <laughs> uh, <laughs> that had the benefit of experience and iteration. So mm-hmm. I don't want to hold it against it. Um, I will anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. but only in like specific areas. That's kind of what I think. I think that Metal Gear's jankiness is... Part of its design, it's intended to be kind of difficult to control, and I also think that it was a bad decision, (laughs) and you can see between one and two, they made changes that made it much easier to get around, so that's my one disagreement. (laughs) I think that Metal Gear could have been a lot smoother, and just wasn't. Or maybe Mm -hmm. it was taxing the hardware too much. Either way, I agree Metal Gear 1 feels like hot butt to play (laughs) in 2023. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, I guess just to continue on this train of thought up, yeah. up top, um, I was just thinking about like, if we would have done, like, if we had this podcast like 10 years ago, uh-huh. which we almost did, which is weird to think about. <laughs> yeah, um, shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, in the early, like, 20 teens, I think. I feel like I would come in here a lot more argumentative in defense of Mario 64. But, like, I don't know. It feels like a game that's, like, definitely, I think, in the last decade, I think, has really aged. 
yeah. like I think even just playing it in like 2011 or something, it felt a lot better or like a lot closer to like when it came out and not is outclassed as it does now. I was just thinking about that, just like the passage of time for early 3D games, because like it's weird because I, I I think it it feels like it just kind of slipped from being something. I would have considered like one of the best games ever made and something that everyone should play to like something that feels more niche right to like older game enthusiasts the mario 64 has become your version of the ramones (laughs) where when i was a kid i was like the ramones are the most punk rock yeah greatest band of all time Nobody even needs more than three chords. The fact that somebody figured out a fourth one is honestly <laughs> blasphemy. Uh, and now I'm like, I don't really listen to the Ramones anymore, but I have respect for what they did. Yeah. <laughs> so, it just felt kind of sad to be, to think about that to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of what Mario 64 exists as today is sadness. <laughs> <laughs> because it is such a, a founding game. Like, if, if you were to map out a list of games that had, like, the most impact on the industry as a whole. You could tell somebody to go back and play Super Mario Brothers, and it is going to feel like a natural experience for that person in comparison to when you then go (laughs) a few years down the line and say, now play Super Mario 64. Because if somebody hasn't played this game, going back to it, you have all of these expectations from more recent games mm-hmm. and it's just gonna feel weird every 2d platformer controls similar to super mario brothers mm-hmm. it it was a it, it also sort of invented a genre not really in this case but it brought it to wider uh audience appeal and a lot of things draw back on it and that's the same with mario 64 but 3d is just so much fucking harder to get your head around mm-hmm. uh and so the fact that this game has those bumps and bruises over time makes them really show through because it's it's a much more difficult system to to use Mm -hmm. but i mean i guess to to transition from all of the retrospective feely conversations uh (laughs) (laughs) um i guess i kind of want to jump in with i guess the hub world yes uh because that was one like the big things i think at the time that set this apart from other games that it like felt like an adventure you know and less like you're just playing levels from a a menu right um and i i think yeah i mean it's one of the things that you're the most attached to i think if you played this at the time and like i i feel like it has a particular like kind of whimsy to it um in this like kind of like exploration and like discovery to it that I feel like I haven't really seen as much in other like hub worlds in other games I've played, uh, where it's like it's I think treated like its own level, which mm-hmm. I think other games have done. But like I don't, there's just something about it that feels playful, or you know, like there's like the secret slide level and like the oh you had to like look up at the sunshine to do the wing cap level and yeah. like things that seem maybe a little quaint now, but like. I don't know. I think I think they still feel interesting and fun in their context. Yeah, it's uh, it's quaint, 
but it's quaint in the way that like the idea of southern hospitality is quaint <laughs> where it is a quaint idea definitionally but then also you do really appreciate it when it's shown to you uh and so I, I, I have to get. I, I not only want to get behind the idea of the hub world, but I want to push it as maybe the best hub world that still has been made. I'm glad that you agree. That feels very vindicated. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that that isn't true in the infinite universe of <laughs> games that exist. Yeah. But to my recollection, there are few hub worlds that have this much going on that is that works so perfectly with the game itself uh you're gonna go <laughs> yeah, on yeah, uh, I, yeah I, I could I, go i could go on yeah no, but um, i won't <laughs> i was just gonna say like um we do this podcast and we have a youtube channel mm-hmm. and we always like say like oh like i could do a video essay on x topic oh yeah or whatever yeah. and like that's what an idea i've had is like i feel like Mario 64 may have nailed the hub world so hard on the first outing that no one's ever really tried to top it, uh, which I think is interesting because um, even other ones that are good, like even like Spiral Mountain or something from Banjo-Kazooie, I feel like doesn't quite go for the same thing. Right. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's just really well done. And I think just very impressive like there's like i think i it's like what i said like it feels very playful and like it feels very creative like you do like the first set of levels and you go down the stairs and there's like a ghost that disappears into like the <laughs> courtyard and like the level is hidden inside of one of the ghosts and yeah. like there's a lot of like things that i feel like they go it exemplifies like how much they tried to go above and beyond even though they're making the first 3d platformer mm. um which was probably hard enough already <laughs> you well, know and that that to me like one of the funny things about it is uh, to my understanding a lot of the hub world people talk a lot about the the courtyard at the beginning mm. whatever the front of the castle yeah uh with the moat and shit but i, I believe the entirety of the hub world exists mostly to introduce the player to the concept of playing video games in three dimensions. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that it, it essentially operates as a teaching tool, the rabbit showing you movement, that was, like, the whole prototype to the game, uh, was just chasing that rabbit around, trying to get Mario to feel good to play. Uh, the, you know, the castle introducing you to, like, how the camera works. Lakitu has, like, a backstory mm-hmm. about how he's the cameraman and is the Lakitu brothers, like, they're reporting the news. Uh, yeah, what a great moment when they have the mirror and you oh, can yeah. see him behind you. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. It's fucking incredible. And, and like, the this essentially being a teaching tool that grew into the sort of, like, frame area for the entirety of the game manages to do everything i mean not perfectly you mentioned the ghost which i think is funny because it's one of my least favorite parts of the the overworld like i like that it's there and it's cool that you chase it Mm -hmm. but then they make you like do it every Every time time. yeah that's (laughs) a weird choice uh and that's like something that would be smoothed out if they re-released this game and actually did something to change it I guess shout outs <laughs> Mario 64 3D I haven't played it. Uh but uh 
Oh, yeah, the it's DS. just really good. Yeah, the DS, yeah, the DS one. one. Yeah, I haven't played it either. So I cannot comment on any differences. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can play as Yoshi. That's what yeah. I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I think, the, I think overall, I think the hub world really slaps. And <laughs> it's weird to me that nothing has quite gotten there. Like I said, I wanted to compare it to things that took obvious inspiration. You look at, like, the the hat in time spaceship yeah right like it has ideas of it there are secrets in it there are places to go the worlds all exist in their individual spots in the the in the in the hub but it's so small it doesn't feel as interconnected mm-hmm. there isn't in there isn't like game progressing stuff in it like how many stars can you get in super mario 64's Overall. there's a lot of secret stars yeah um and i even like how like in the basement like you can do a whole thing to drain the moat and then you come out the door at the bottom and it's like yeah there's a lot of stuff that like reinforces it as a real space yeah um i was to give people context as to how much fun i was having playing this game <laughs> i did this uh, and and could not complete the invisibility <laughs> cap oh, yeah. course. That and one's then hard. Just stop. That one's hard. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah. Like a, a hat in time, I think is a good comparison because, like, it it does feel like it's gonna be Mario sixty four esque when you're playing it, but then it like just kind of peters out. Right. Yeah, I think the length of the game doesn't help it because, like. I know there's, like, stairs in the corner of an area, and it's like, oh, I'm going to get up to, like, a second floor of the spaceship, and there's going to be more stuff, and, yeah. like, you, that's just where the final boss is. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like, it, it, it doesn't, like, expand or, like, surprise the player right. in enough ways. In the like, way that, that Mario does. does. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's got, yeah, the multiple levels, the fact that they're, like... You talk about Mario 64 having influence on video games and how it is a historic game. Just fucking think about the infinite staircase. Mm. Talk about a modern day mythology (laughs) of people trying to find a way past the infinite staircase. Either because you were a kid and you didn't know what the fuck was going on. It has that like mystery, like old game mystery to it. Yeah, that just cannot exist anymore. You can't easily look it up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then it, there is a way to do it. You you, you can, can backwards long it. jump up the stairs. Uh, that's fucking crazy. That's insanity. Loch Ness Monster, <laughs> real. <laughs> that's the level I'm putting Infinite Staircase glitch yeah. in Mario 64. Yeah, it also, it bred a lot of those like playground rumor type things mm-hmm. where like there's, I, I actually... I don't know if this is actually real. Okay. I'm just now thinking about it. <laughs> um, but I'm going to say it anyway. Maybe look it up on the break and probably forget. But uh, <laughs> there's like a shark can appear outside the castle in the little lake area by the cannon uh, that's like separate from the moat. Um, so is this the part that that is I, co- I didn't know this? I, yeah, I think this is true. This is the okay. part that I don't know if it's true. But the rumor was that, like, the shark was the Loch Ness Monster from the <laughs> the Hazy Maze Cave level. Oh, yeah. I forgot that that was in the game. Um, and 
that makes no sense now but like as a kid like i i don't know it was like oh like you do something in that level that will make the Loch Ness monster disappear and mm. it, then the shark appears <laughs> like it was like a whole like rumor uh and there was all the stuff about like yoshi being on the roof yeah which is real but you have to get all the stars to do which i imagine to get to the roof so Wait, is that real? I yeah. thought they just put that in the DS version. No, no. Yoshi is on the roof. Oh, crazy. But you have to get all, I think it's 100 stars for the cannon to open up outside so you can shoot onto the roof. Uh, and Yoshi okay. is up there. But when you're a kid, this game is really hard. Uh-huh. And you're probably not going to get all the stars. So you never know if it's real. Right. So you have like, it, the castle just feels endlessly mysterious. I think it's 120 stars. Maybe. Unless you only need 100 to, but I don't know. You need 60 to beat the game. 70. Uh, is it? I thought it was 60. I googled this, so take it with a grain of salt. This is what I was playing it at, and I was going, <laughs> how much longer do I need to be playing this game? Uh, okay. Well, it, it probably is 70 then. I thought it was 60. Who knows, though? A lot of people probably mm-hmm. know. Uh, but anyway, all that to say, uh, the hub world does fucking slap yeah it absolutely slaps <laughs> and i i mean i want to say a, a thing that i is like a thing that i always say on this podcast that's like i would love to see somebody take another shot at it mm-hmm. but people have been taking shots at it there just has to be something about it that's missing and like no and you know coming from me it's not nostalgia <laughs> yeah i think that people actually aren't taking shots yeah. It's, it's one of the reasons I would want to make a video about it so I can actually really look into it. But, like, I feel like it's almost kind of like in Pokemon Gold and Silver, you battle red at the end. Mm-hmm. Like, the concept of, like, fighting the character from the previous game, like like a, con- a game continuity, is a really cool idea that I feel like is so iconic to Pokemon Gold and Silver that, like, people don't do that idea anymore. Mm. I think... I don't know if that's the best comparison, but I, I went with it anyway. Uh, like, I think the hub world in Mario 64 is held up in such a way that, like, people have, like, a reverence for it, and they don't want to try and touch it. That, that could be. That could be. I feel like it's so... It would be difficult to tell. It's not like... It's not like covering the Beatles, right? Like, it's just, like, an unwritten rule, a thing that yeah. you don't do. But I think it is to people. I Yeah, yeah sure. But maybe I'm blowing blowing it out my ass. No, but. I think I think you have a. I think you were definitely right to some degree. I just think that people could probably sneak a Mario sixty four oh, yeah. style thing in without being like, oh, we didn't. <laughs> I, we weren't trying to like one up Mario sixty four. Yeah, no. I, I pun think, intended. Yeah, people totally should do it. Yeah, <laughs> with no shame. Oh yeah, you just get in there, get your hands dirty, it's been, dig a moat. It's been over thirty years. Yeah, no, Jesus. it hasn't. It's been almost 30 years. Uh, Christ. <laughs> Old game. So, when you're in the overworld, mm-hmm. running around, jumping and stuff, you might accidentally jump into a <laughs> painting on the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are the game's levels. Uh, surprise, spoilers for <laughs> Mario 64. The paintings uh, is where the levels are. Uh and the levels in this game are... I made a bold statement. This is, to me, an unlistenable episode, but uh, I made the statement on the Mario Sunshine episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, like, the thing that I really like about Sunshine's levels 
is like a sense of thematic consistency mm-hmm. because you're set on this island, so everything has to be sort of like the similar in some way. You go to a place, it makes sense that the place is there. Mario 64's level design is insanity. <laughs> it is, it, and it is understandably so given the era that it came out in, which is effectively for the 3D platformer genre the prehistoric era. <laughs> right. But you walk into a level, and the first level you get is Babam's Battlefield, which is the best level in the game, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe because it's easy. Who knows? It is pretty iconic. It is iconic. And then you go into, like, like fucking Thwomp's Fortress, immediately you're on a floating island in space, mm-hmm. and everything is just, like, sticks and blocks with patterns on them. <laughs> and it is a trip. Like, if, if you're me and don't have that great of a memory of this game... Every new level you go into is like a is is an acid trip of like all this crazy shit and like I don't know what any of it means. What is this platform with the buttons on it? It's all smoky in here. Uh, it's it's just it, there's so much going on, but like some of them have come away as being iconic. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting to think about because like I having played this as a kid, I never thought about this at the time. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting how like some of the levels try to feel a bit more organic, and others are just blatantly like islands in the sky. Because <laughs> um, like yeah, when I think of the game, I think of the levels being islands in the sky. Right. Like because like um. I'm afraid of heights, and I always remember falling off levels in this game gave me, like, a vertigo feeling as a kid. Um, so I guess that really stood out to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, like, the early game levels tend to at least kind of stick to, like, a classic video game. Like, it's the snow level, it's right. the water level, it's the lava level, it's the desert level, etc. Um but then, like, once you get to the third floor, it feels like it's just, like, experimental city. <laughs> mm, TikTok clock. And, yeah. Uh, Rainbow Ride. Rainbow uh, wet, dry world, especially. Yeah. Uh, tiny, huge island. Like, they, they all feel a lot more like, what do we got, boys? Like, this is where we really get creative. <laughs> yeah. For the record, uh, and this isn't this isn't related to the what is in a kind of distant way but just so people have context uh the level that broke me on this playthrough was little big planet fucking oh, tiny huge island tiny huge island uh and the, the only reason that it's the one that broke me is because it got to me before <laughs> i could do rainbow ride oh god which is the hardest level in any video game ever rainbow ride <laughs> is a heart attack inducer yeah uh it is so stressful to play <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, cause, especially because you know that one wrong fucking move, and you gotta go all the way back to the beginning, ride the fucking carpet back up to the top mm-hmm. of its thing, which is a whole big pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a little bit of experience with, like, every level in this game, but, uh, most of my actual knowledge is, is pre-third floor. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, so a lot of the, the later ones have, like, weird... Like, Tiny Huge Island is a weird one. Like, it has... I remember it always being confusing as a kid. Because um, it's got, like, little areas you can go to, and they're, like, different when you're big, and they're or in different when you're small. 
and it has like the weird wind current thing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like it, not all the ideas land as well. I think in the second half of the game, like um, the yeah, like Wet Dry World was always the one that felt the weirdest to me. <laughs> like it almost feels like it's like unfinished, or like I don't just don't get what they were going for with it. Like the idea of like changing the water level is a sound enough idea. Yeah. But like I don't know. It's just like a it feels kind of like they had to just put it together with the assets they had and that affected the the level in weird ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the whole level looks extremely weird. The first star in it is called like look at look out for arrow platforms. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like what like where are the arrow platforms like is it the arrows painted on the wall it was a very like like it was, it, to start a level with a clue that makes no sense is a bad choice because then you're running around trying to explore and this actually goes into one of the things that i think the game does really well mm-hmm. you, most of the levels their first star is one where you have to cover a lot of ground. The goal is just, it's not particularly difficult, but just go from point A to point Megabus at mm-hmm. the top of the mountain or whatever it is. Uh, and jump off and get the star, and there you go. You did the thing. And you've learned the level as part of that. You know the layout, generally. And Wet Dry World is just like there's three water level things that we're not even going to tell you about until you're already in it. Yeah, go towards the weird little rainbow prism thing. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I don't know, because of the how vague the clue is, if raising the water level or lowering the water level is, like, what you want to do. I think you can... It starts, I think, halfway. Yeah. Half empty or half full, depending on how you're feeling. Um... So, and I think you can get to the aero platforms with it that high, but okay. I might be wrong. I don't know. I just remember running over to the dustpan robot. Oh, yeah. And trying to get him to throw me onto the thing like the fucking <laughs> Chuckums do in uh, in Super Mario Sunshine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just never making it and killing me. And then I said, I'll try a different level. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. It is hard to. Um, you, that is the idea is that you can, like, if you're a skilled player, like, manipulate them to your advantage. Mm-hmm. But they are hard to, like, predict what they're going to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Wet Dry World is, is really weird. And it's like Skybox is some kind of, like, weird city. <laughs> and you can, like, shoot out of the cannon to that, like, grate in the corner. And it takes you to where the red coin challenge is, and it's like a flooded city. And oh, it's like a yeah. bunch of like buildings and stuff, which is like interesting. But like the idea, I don't think like comes across. Like I know, like as a kid, I didn't put that together that like <laughs> you were shooting over to the city in the distance or whatever. I think that's what's supposed to be happening. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, so like I think a lot of like the second half of the game feels like weird and experimental. Yeah. Yeah, no, I will say my original criticism came a lot from those later levels, whereas replaying it now, I think there are more levels that have uh, more of a consistent theme to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, I think Boo's... Big Boo's Haunt? Big Boo's Haunt. Or something like that? I think that is exactly right. Yeah. Big Boo's Haunt, Cool Cool Mountain, uh, Thwomp's Fortress, Bob-omb Battlefield, uh, and 
leave a lava land mm-hmm. and shifting sand shifting land. sand land i always really liked hazy maze cave or whatever that oh yeah hazy maze. yeah yeah hazy maze cave i think is like the perfect middle point and not just because it actually does just fall in the middle of the game, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's like it literally splits itself into two sides. Paths, yeah. yeah, and one of them is like a consistent K's level, and then the other one is like m- mine working being a miner yeah uh like weird madness where there's like floating electrical balls and pa- and <laughs> platforms that you move with buttons yeah. that float around uh and i don't know i'm very medium on mm-hmm. hazy maze cave but i agree it does at least have a semblance yeah. of a theme i always love the metal texture in this game that they use for Metal Mario and yeah. for the entrance to the to that level. I just think it looks really <laughs> oh, cool. Oh, yeah, the rippling effect yeah. when you jump into it. Super cool. Very cool. Looks very good. <laughs> oh, God. Um, it's, while we're talking about levels, uh, do you want to talk about the Bowser levels? Oh, yeah. Bowser's Road. Another cool thing, when you run into the Bowser thing, it's like a picture of Princess Peach that you run towards, and then it turns to Bowser, and the floor, floor drops, drops you out. through. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty memorable. But, like, I, I just remember them feeling super cool as a kid. <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm going to say that a lot of times on this. Uh, felt mysterious and cool. Um, I think that the music is awesome. I love the Bowser's Road music. Um they always felt like really imposing and important and like, Oh, I got to go save the princess, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I feel like you can see like the interesting to me, thing to me now about them is that you can like see the seeds of like what would become like the secret levels in sunshine and just like Mario galaxy, <laughs> the whole game, the whole game where it's like these more linear platforming focused levels that just kind of float in space. Yeah. You know, and you just kind of, like, focus more on platforming and less on exploring. Yeah, I think, honestly, that ends up being why those are some of my favorite levels in the game. I think that they have a, a couple of instances of being sort of bullshit that is not helped by the <laughs> camera of the game, which we will talk we about. We will talk about it. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, they, they feel very pure, in a way. It's it's a They're the most innocent levels, ironically, because they... They aren't trying to go for anything super high concept. It's just sort of a series of platforms, and and it makes sense why they're there. And most of them are pretty fun, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I do like them a lot. I think they have a, a tendency to use these like little two-block-wide moving platforms a bit much, but otherwise the challenges they present just feel like classic platforming challenges. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also kind of experimental in terms of, like, this is a 3D game. What what are some of the more abstract things we can do? What if four pyramids just <laughs> kind of, like, get further away from each other and then close back up? It's like, is that hard? We don't know yet. <laughs> Nobody's ever tried this before. Right. <laughs> so it just gets put in the game. <laughs> and so, And then you see stuff like that show up later in a more sophisticated way. Uh, or a less sophisticated way in the form of a weird shifting uh, picture puzzle of Bowser. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, you see it, just, like, there's a bit of a difference and little iteration here and there. And, uh, yeah, love those levels. think they're great. Um, I guess 
another thing about levels <laughs> uh, yeah, do keep it going <laughs> is um there's a couple of them that have a interior kind of area um lethal lava land and shifting sand land um have both the volcano and the pyramid respectively Mm -hmm. uh which is cool i i think that's always fun when there's like something interesting like more to peel back about a level like i think it would have been really cool if they did the reverse Mm. where like you start a level and then you're able to emerge into a bigger level I just think that would be really interesting. Yeah, I think uh, Psychonauts sort of did that with the uh, where you go through the area with the the fish with Linda. Oh yeah, Linda and the Linda, it, Linda interstitial. The Linda interstitial that then leads into the actual uh, fishopolis right. level. Uh, but I agree, it would be cool because the, you would not expect it in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because it's just a day, like, cause you enter each level. I think tiny, huge Island kind of has this because of the two ways mm-hmm. to enter it. And I think, isn't there like a, if you do a special jump into wet dry land, you end up making it changing the water level. You do, depending on how high you are on the painting when you jump in it, it affects where the water level starts right. in the level. So if you do like a backflip, it'll be high. If you do a normal jump, it'll be medium. And then if you kind of just kind of hop, hop over, into yeah. it, it'll be low. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think the like they they were verging on being yeah, able to yeah. do something like that, and it's kind of weird that it d- didn't end up happening. I will say, similar to that, but not really the same at all (laughs) uh i i haven't gone into a lot of what frustrates me about this game Mm -hmm. but i had very much started expecting the worst from mario 64 (laughs) anytime something bad happened to me uh big shout outs that when you're in one of those levels and you die when you go back in you start in the in the the sub world yeah you don't have to re-enter the pyramid or re-enter the volcano oh no that would be a nightmare with the pyramid oh yeah the pyramid especially (laughs) but but of course if you run out of lives yeah you will have to do it i know uh so there is like a lot that that was a welcome reprieve uh, mm-hmm. from my abuser mario 64 <laughs> some of that forward thinking yeah uh well then do you want to get more into the things that frustrate you <laughs> about the game uh, i kind of i'm trying to determine exactly how much because I, I have no idea uh-huh. right now how much of this podcast is left from my perspective. Uh-huh. Uh, there's definitely still things that I want to talk about, and I feel like there are obvious things that we should talk about. And so I want to split the podcast in a place that makes sense. Uh-huh. I There might be a bit of a can of worms Okay. if we start talking about certain things. So I, I do want to talk about level design okay. as a thing uh, and the way that this game is split up as a segue from levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we'll probably take a break and go on. All right. Spoilers for a few <laughs> minutes from now. We're probably going to take a break. All right. Uh, I wanted to talk about, uh, like, just in relation to levels, I, I want to talk about the fact that the goals in each level are set up in such a 
in I mean, what would become like a Mario 3D game staple way where it gives you a clue as to where the power star is and then you can go get it. And whenever it's possible, you can sequence break, you can grab different ones. For some reason, I always got the sixth star in every level first or like is that like the red coin one no it's just Uh, like for some reason uh, i would always like the chain chomp in unintentionally would always get six there's like the the log in lethal lava land i grabbed first for some reason Mm -hmm. uh a lot of just weird choices by (laughs) me probably (laughs) uh but yeah so each one and then uh, as you choose each star though uh, the game doesn't really indicate this, but the levels do change in, like, small, subtle ways. Yeah, it's only with certain stars, though. Right. And I know that some of them are, like... Because, like I said before, the only people that I've seen play this game in the last 15 years are all very good at the game. Mm-hmm. I know that some levels are, like, better set up if you're going for, like, the 100 coins because of reasons i don't know <laughs> the only hundred coin star that i got was on thwomp's fortress because it seemed like it was pretty easy to do and then i was like that took a long time i'm probably <laughs> not gonna do any more of this uh but yeah i i don't know it is novel and it's interesting uh but it feels not well telegraphed to the player as to like what is happening in each level as you go in yeah, I think they were really banking on the idea that it's just going to be novel and fun mm-hmm. for people to explore the 3D levels. Um, yeah, because like, I was just thinking about this when I was like capturing the footage, because like, I just know where everything is. <laughs> uh, it's like this game, it, it is weird to watch someone who knows it play it, because you just like run straight to the objective and do it in two seconds. Right. Um, yeah, this game is very short if you know where things are, uh, more so than like other kinds of games. Uh, so yeah, I, I think, yeah, they were really leaning into like the sandboxy element of it. Um, I think it's cool that you can get stars mm-hmm. that aren't the one that it says to get. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I, I mean, obviously like Banjo-Kazooie did it better and that's what everybody says is that like you get the jiggy and then it doesn't spit you out of the level. Um, and I don't even think it really... It doesn't suggest them to you. It doesn't give you the hints, I don't think. Right. If I remember correctly. So it just kind of lets you just go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, like, I think... Um, yeah. <laughs> they... Yeah, like, as we've been saying, it's, like, the first attempt. And I think... It, it almost kind of feels like they weren't sure if they wanted to do each star you go into there's something different about the level mm-hmm. because it does a lot more of that early in the game like uh you you race koopa the quick right you know he only is there if you select the second star mm-hmm. um so yeah it's, it's like it feels like they were kind of torn between whether they wanted to do that or just have everything be the same each time uh and yeah yeah it, I... it just ended up not being the smoothest uh (laughs) way to do it yeah that is to me that is the the biggest thing is like there are times when you want to there's never a time when you can just do a a thing because you were there you happen to be next to it because you know that if you complete it you're just gonna get kicked out and then have to come back in and do it again so Mm -hmm. if you're ever in the middle of something you can't stop to do something else 
uh, because it will erase your progress on the red coins or whatever you're doing. Uh, but I do like it. I like the hints uh, as a concept mm-hmm. because it lets each time that you go in, you have an objective, you have something to think about. Um, and so I'm, and obviously it's, it's continued. It, it sounds weird talking about it <laughs> when you've played the other 3d Mario. Games. Yeah. It's like, of course this is how it works. <laughs> you idiot. Like, yeah, but it, it, it starts here and it's, it's interesting the way that they, they handled it. Yeah. And it lets them like hide the stars, like, like more in more interesting ways. Cause they like give you a hint as to like what to do to get it. Yeah. One of the hints I would argue should have been uh, you have to climb up this tree to get an owl oh, to come right, out. Yeah. Uh, welcome to 10 to 15 wasted minutes of my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's one of those old game things. Uh, yeah. Like we, we talked about this concept a lot, but like the idea that like games were kind of like aimed at people who were going to be playing this game for like months and nothing else. Right. Uh, like in, like a, in a much different time. So like, it's just like one of those things that like, if you're a kid playing this, you just kind of climb the tree and you find the owl, you know, like <laughs> I, I can't remember a time when I did not know that owl was in that tree. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy to me because like in all the times I've seen this game played that either is because I'm watching like a speed run or something. Mm-hmm. They don't get the owl. They do right. some other thing to get. Yeah, the you star. don't. You don't need him to get there, but it is much easier to <laughs> do so. I couldn't figure out how to get there without <laughs> the owl. I kept trying to shoot myself in the cannon, mm. like in sort of that direction, <laughs> or I would go to the top and do like a long jump toward it, mm-hmm. and I would fucking die. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, that was that's one example of a bad goal in yeah. my opinion. Because uh, the clue has nothing to do with the owl or climbing the that's tree. That's true. Yeah, the owl should have been mentioned. Mm-hmm. Either the owl needs mentioned, or it should be like secret in the tree, right? And you'd be like, "What tree? I guess I'll climb the trees and figure it out." I might. <laughs> it's called like fall on the caged star. <laughs> yeah, I might be making it up, but. The game might give a little pop-up that tells you you can climb trees the first time you load into it. Uh, and then it spawns you. It might be on you, a sign. Yeah, and then it spawns you right in front of a tree. Maybe that's how they expect you to know the owl's there. That can make some but sense. But I sure never read any of the dialogue <laughs> in this now, because I know what it all, or I knew what it all said at one point yeah. in time. Uh, you should have for the line... Uh, it is decreed that you will pound both pillars, <laughs> which is how you drain the moat. Oh, and right, it's yeah, just yeah. on a sign for some reason. <laughs> I was like, who's decreeing this? Princess Peach. Who's it's her royal decree. Her royal decree to pound the pillars. Duh. Duh. Uh, but yeah, I, I had a good laugh at some of the Some of the dialogue in this game... Now we're going to get off topic, which is great, because mm-hmm. we're just going to leave, and then I'll re- we can reinforce the topic. Yes. Uh, some of the dialogue in this game is genuinely very funny, uh, in a way that is intentional. Like, it's not like, this is old and goofy. It's just, they wrote it in such a lighthearted manner that it just works. Yeah, it's like that goofy 90s programmer way. Mm-hmm. I love that when you get a star... 
in the castle where it isn't going to kick you out. It asks if you want to save, and the uh, and it says you betcha. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like fuck yeah, <laughs> you betcha, <laughs> you betcha. I want to save. <laughs> like what? What a weird menu option. And yeah. literally every other instance it says okay, <laughs> but this time it's you, you betcha. betcha. <laughs> uh, that's killer. Uh, the toads, mm-hmm. comedy geniuses. Yeah. It's really uh, one of the things I always thought was weird as a kid is how like Toad gets called out a lot of the time. Like you have to be like looking right at him for him to be visible. Uh-huh. I always thought that was strange as a kid. It's like a an apparition. Yeah, they like fade in and out of existence. I probably thought of it that way. <laughs> like to the Toads were like ghostly uh-huh. uh, beings or something. <laughs> I just think that's a really weird thing. It's easy to just not notice them. Yeah. Oh, for sure, and they and they do just sort of like sit there, and like some of one, like the one I just mentioned, just gives you a star. Like, don't have to do anything for him. You just talk to him. He's like, "Thanks for opening up the door. Mm-hmm. Here's a star for you. You betcha." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh shit!" Like, you found one of the castle's secret stars. <laughs> exactly. I was like, Damn. Okay, I didn't even realize. Uh, but you have to go look straight at him, and he's, like, just in a room <laughs> behind some stairs. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a weird choice, the way that they put all of them in places. And I have to imagine it's to save, like, memory. Yeah, I guess I guess is that maybe those were just signs at one point, and, uh, like, late in development, they decided to make them toads, just because that would be fun. And it is. It is fun. Yeah. But that's just a guess. Yeah. Uh, that's all I had to say on the dialogue of <laughs> Super Mario 64. Um, <laughs> do you want to dive into the mechanics uh, at a more at a deeper level and talk about how the levels themselves are actually designed? After, After the, the break, break? <laughs> you betcha. I you do. you betcha. <laughs> Welcome back. Wahoo. Uh, today, Let, let's a go. <laughs> let's a go for the second half. Uh, Super Mario 64 invented platforming in three <laughs> dimensions, and here's how. Uh, uh, as Mario, you run around, you can jump, you can backflip, side flip, do a triple jump, crouch, long jump. You can dive. You can dive. Uh, you can jump from the dive. You can punch. Mm-hmm. You can chain dives into jumps, into dives into jumps, and kind of scoot along. You can. You can. It's real hard to not yeah. die while doing. <laughs> yeah, which you can see them iterate on in Mario Sunshine by mm-hmm. sliding on the water and stuff. Yeah, uh, and that honestly was one of the things that most fucked with me this time around, uh, because you can initiate a dive by. Is it you can is it you can jump and dive, and you can do it by running and doing an attack? I think, yeah, that is correct. You can dive out of a jump, uh, but yeah, you can just run and dive too. Right, to get more uh, of a horizontal momentum thing. Yeah, and that would fuck me up constantly because I would dive accidentally. Yeah, the dive works as like a cancel out of a jump, kind of. Right. 
So it just ends up being like, that was a little bit unsmooth. But otherwise, most of Mario's like, oh, and you can like wall kick and climb yeah, shit, whatever. Yeah, wall kicking, yeah. <laughs> Which is like a whole thing. I didn't realize that wall kicking was in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played the game multiple times before, but like I, like I think everyone on the planet, thinks that they have an operating knowledge <laughs> of Mario 64, even though you may not. And I don't, yeah. uh, as it turns out. Well, I think I do now, but I didn't know that you could wall kick, and I didn't find a ton of situations where it was incredibly useful, but it was cool to know about it and do it in this game. Yeah, there's a few notable spots. Like, there's a star in um, uh, Cool Cool Mountain, the one with the penguin yes yeah okay um that just called wall kicks will work (laughs) uh where you have to wall kick up a few different little platforms to get a star uh which i think is supposed to introduce the mechanic to you um the problem with that is that they put that star after the race with big penguin yeah a star i have never (laughs) and will never be able to get Uh, yeah, like, that level is actually pretty punishing for one of the first few. Oh, yeah. Because um, it's hard to get all the red coins, and that's the third star. So, like, <laughs> if, you, if you get stuck on either of those, like, it's easy to just end up leaving that level. Yep. Because of, like, the slippery ice physics make it very easy to fall off. Um, but, um, I was like, oh, yeah, the wall kick. Because, <laughs> um, like, yeah, and there's like, another one um, that I could never figure out as a kid um it's like called big boo's balcony i think oh yeah yes you have to like notice that there's like a little balcony area like above these bookshelves in this one room and then you have to like jump and kick off the wall to get up there Mm -hmm. like it almost feels like you're exploiting the game to get it (laughs) um well then as the cherry on top after you beat boo on his tiny ledge, mm-hmm. uh, the star spawns on top of the roof. And you have to, like, do some precarious platforming to get to it. Yeah, and if you don't, then you have to do the whole fucking path up there again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you do get pretty good at jump kicks, or kick wall kicks, by doing that. Mm-hmm. But Christ almighty, that was uh, a big pain in my ass. Yeah, it always felt like a, like a not like a secret mechanic, but like more of like a high-level... <laughs> technique or yeah. whatever at the time kind of like the wall jumps in super metroid mm-hmm. except in super metroid they don't tell you about them right and they do in this one uh but yeah that is <laughs> i'm gonna all right we're break i'm gonna break off mm-hmm. on a tangent immediately go for it uh sliding mm. is a good idea that sucks ass <laughs> and i hate it. uh we we talked about rascal recently um and you never you know if you're listening to this and you've developed a game and we bring up rascal it's usually not a good sign for you uh (laughs) the totally blind corners skateboarding sections of that game Mm -hmm. are preferable to me (laughs) than the sliding in mario 64 which feels like you have literally no control (laughs) And you will die a hundred times. 
I may be, in fact, I might go so far as to say I am uniquely bad at this for mm. some reason. But <laughs> Jesus Christ, the slide in uh, Cool Cool Mountain. Mm-hmm. It's is, got no safety rails. No, it it literally haunts me. <laughs> like, I go to sleep at night and I fucking hear that goddamn whistle song. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know how to comment. <laughs> because of the difference in experience, I guess. Because um, I, I, I feel like in this this playthrough, I like just did the slide in like two attempts and then luckily beat the penguin on the first try. Nice. That one usually gives me a little bit more trouble. But it is the kind of thing that feels like it can go to shit like in no time flat. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, like I, I sympathize. I think. Well, you uh, have to like keep a certain level of momentum, otherwise the curving of the stage, mm-hmm. you won't be able to get past it, and you'll slide off. Yeah, yeah, you have to just resist the urge to ever slow yourself down. Right, and we talked about Super Monkey Ball, mm-hmm. which is a game where the stages are fucking. Once again, the pun. You have to pardon it. It's illegal to not pardon this pun. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They're ape shit. Uh, And I beat that game. Why is Super Mario 64 the hardest slide to do? Uh, I don't know, man. (laughs) It makes no sense to me. Oh, dude. uh, Fucking... You need to try the uh, the slide levels in Donkey Kong 64 and oh. tell me if you think they're harder, because I'd be very curious. If I can go my entire life without ever playing Donkey Kong 64, I'll be a happy person. All right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. Those, those levels, for some reason, just like absolutely demolish me. And it keeps me... And it's, those are the levels where I think about what a bad idea lives are in home mm. console games. Uh, but I feel like we've gone over this eight million times. Lives are bad. There's no reason to have them. Yeah. Uh, if you think of a reason to have lives, you're incorrect. <laughs> Good try, though. Uh, and we'll talk to you next time when we talk about a game from 20 years ago that still had lives in it. <laughs> uh, I guess, like, if you're a roguelike or something yeah the, it's like that's not even really lives in the traditional sense right this game just kicks you back to the the start and then it just takes a little bit longer to get to where you're going yeah time that you're not usually spending getting better at the game yeah and like, even as somebody who's like fairly good at the game like it's hard to get more lives yeah like you know there are the one-up mushrooms that are like weirdly hard to get um <laughs> Because they're like a two D sprite, I guess, mm-hmm. um, and they, they like to put them in places. Suicidal. Yeah, they like to put them in places where they just go off the edge um, and bait you into jumping off the edge mm-hmm. uh, real hard, doing but, the opposite of what an extra yeah. life normally would and, do. And then I guess like if you're if you like know the levels more, like you're less likely to get fifty coins in while getting a star. True. Uh, so yeah, it it is easy to game over. And does feel kind of like it's not adding anything to the game. <laughs> it does add something. It's about a minute and a half of yeah, running. Back it's not to adding, the yeah, like challenge or mm. anything that it maybe it's supposed to be doing. Right. Yeah, just kind of a weird thing. Like yeah. I think I, I when I quit the game, I had like seven lives, and it was by far the most I had ever had in the game. Uh, just kind of a weird thing. Mm-hmm. There was something that you said. Say everything that you just said again. No. 
<laughs> how long ago? Was I talking about slides? Was I talking about one-ups? No, it was just in the last... Uh, yeah, it might have been like in the one-ups They section. bait you into jumping off the ledge? Nah, that's wild. That would be a crazy thing to talk about. Uh, Getting It's coins. hard to get lives. Oh, yes. Oh, Actually, it's hard to get 50 coins. It's the coins thing is what yeah. I wanted to talk about. That's how many you need for a one-up. Yeah, but you have to finish the level to get the one-up. Yeah. Which is weird. Uh, but doesn't matter. The thing I want to talk about with coins is uh, the health system that this mm. game has that Mario games traditionally do not have. Uh, it's interesting because this game has power-ups, uh, but they're used in very much not the way that power-ups had been used in Mario prior to this. Mm -hmm. uh, and so instead, you take damage from enemies, and obviously there's the Mario now punches things uh, mechanic, which mm -hmm. is... It, which completely redefined essentially the character and how he behaves. Uh, mm -hmm. And so, I don't know. I just kind of want to know what you think about it. I have, I have <laughs> I medium opinions. Multiple I things I could go into off of that. Because mm -hmm. I think it's like a chain of things. Because um, I think the power-ups work differently in this game because enemies work differently in this these games. Because like... Your basic Mario enemies, like Goombas and Koopas, right. aren't that threatening, and in a 3D game, you can just run around them and never interact with them at all. Correct. Um, also, which, Koopa's vanishingly rare in Super yeah. Mario 64. Um, so any enemies that are even a little bit threatening are new ones, and most of them kind of feel like they impact the game so little that you could take them out and you wouldn't even notice. Uh, uh. Um, so I think that led to them implementing the power-ups differently, Is and they work on a timer. Um, so, yeah, like they're more like timing challenges. Like, get the cap and then do the thing fast enough before it runs out. Um, and so, yeah, now the power-ups work differently. You have to do health differently. Right. So you have the health meter. Um and I, I like the system. Um, I like that you can do things with it. Like, you make decisions with it. I think that's always the best way to do a health system. Um, you can abuse, or not abuse, but use the fact that, like, going into water and then coming out will refill all your health. Mm -hmm. I always thought that was cool. You can, like, save a coin, a couple of coins or a red coin, if you know you think you're going to take damage and get it later to refill your health so like it's not anything like amazing right but like i think it works well and it, i think it's more thoughtful like it's surprising I, it's one thing i've realized doing this podcast is like how i think doing health like how you handle health and healing in a game is really important yeah and it's weird how many games it feels kind of like an afterthought how like the system works so i think the health system in Mario 64 has more thought put into it than most games at the time. Yeah. I think that more or less covers it for me. I do like that it adds, uh, like another layer of decision-making for the player with the coins and everything. Not everybody's obviously going to take advantage of that. They're just going to see a coin, pick up the coin. Mm -hmm. That's fine too. Most of the time you aren't going to die from damage. You're going to die from falling off of an Island, but uh, my one thing that you also mentioned, so good job covering everything. <laughs> yeah, well, I yeah, yeah. I was just like, as you were saying, mm -hmm. uh, asking me about the health, I'm like, oh man, this relates to like three different things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but one of the things that you brought up that I specifically wanted to talk about is, uh, yeah, when you go underwater, 
uh, you lose health, and then when you resurface, you go back to full regardless of where you were at the start. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they didn't want to implement a second oxygen system because it just would have been another meter on screen. They wanted to keep things a little bit cleaner, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they d- did it this way. Uh, this is better than than <laughs> than having an oxygen meter. Yeah, I think that this should be the way that it's done. Because it does make things more interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, it turns uh, Mario into Prince of Persia because he goes in the water when he needs to top off his health. Uh- <laughs> yeah, it makes me wonder if it was intentional from the start or if they were like, how about we just don't program it to react differently uh, and just let it, if you go into the water on red health and come out, it just fills it all the way up. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> just let them do it. Uh, it. Yeah, it's more interesting. We'll just say it's more interesting. It's more interesting. Uh, and that's our justification. No. <laughs> Some guy 30 years down the road will agree that it is more interesting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just cool. It's I like that the decision is there. And no, I agree. I agree. It's important because there's so many fucking water levels in this game. Like there are a lot of water levels in Mario historically mm-hmm. where he can breathe underwater, uh, which right. makes more sense, I guess, for him to be exploring the depths right. in that situation. But even now that he can drown, now that he's back on the mortal plane <laughs> with the rest of us, uh, I felt there were so many levels that just have water sections Mm -hmm. in them and i will say this is not a unique complaint to mario 64 uh no one had figured out swimming until like five years ago uh and the swimming levels suck ass in this game jolly roger bay fuck it dire dire docks garbage (laughs) i do not like them sam i am um I don't hard disagree. Um, Anything in the beginning of the game, I'm pretty endeared to. So I feel like I want to say Jolly Roger Bay is a good level. Uh, But I'm not confident in saying that, really. Mm. Um, It just has the eel. It's got memorable (laughs) stuff in it, man. The eel, yeah. Uh, But no, it is weird. It's hard to, like, maneuver. Um, When I was playing it, I, like, swam down to to the ship for the first star Mm -hmm. and like went in it like where the camera was at a weird angle and i just like bugged the game where like i just (laughs) didn't hit the load zone so i was inside the ship like i couldn't move i but like i was like inside of it and it just wasn't loading and i ended up drowning (laughs) i was like oh well that sucks Um, so yeah, there's like awkward stuff like that. Cause like I, that ended up happening. Cause like I was just trying to turn the right way. Yeah. So I ended up like moving the camera move to a weird spot. So yeah, like the maneuverability is weird. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, like lots of games. Yeah. Just 3d games and swimming just don't, uh, have a good relationship. Yeah. It's just, it's very difficult because you are forced to not necessarily forced to, I've played games where they use the same controls underwater and not, but it's always like a, there's like a stand. That's a standout thing about that game. They were, it is just weird that way, Mm -hmm. but, uh, it's the controls. It is weird to get around and navigate, but then also like when you're on the surface, because the movement button is also the jump button, when you want to leave the water, you have to hold down and press jump because down angles you up in the water, even mm-hmm. though you're on the surface. 
and that will never make sense in my brain and I'll do the opposite <laughs> every time. And so every time I would swim up to a ledge, I would swim down into the water oh, yeah. and then have to go back up. <laughs> I think the way that I do it is I just let go of the stick once I'm like close to the top so and he that jumps, he just pops man. out. I thought that would just make him go forward into the wall. I, I think it's, you have to do it like right before, like you know, like when you're like real close, you just like let go of the stick and then he pops up. He'll just hop on out. I think. Who knows? Yeah, but it's always hard to definitely think of these not things. me. Yeah, it's always hard to think of these things when you're not actively playing the game. Yeah, but yeah, so I I found the swimming to be unbearable for the most part and skipped those levels completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got like one star in each of them. Uh, I spent like 30 seconds trying to swim into a current to get a star in dire dire docks and then realized mm. that i need to unlock the, mario the, metal mario. mario but i didn't know how or where that was <laughs> so i didn't do it <laughs> uh yeah dire dire docks i think it's just a weird level it is strange uh it, it kind of feels like it's something they had left over because it's like the only instance where the bowser level has a level before it mm. that is not like a Bowser Road level. Yeah, it, it is. It's very dire, dire, dire. yeah. It's very strange. It just has like we'll put a Bowser submarine in it. <laughs> uh that makes sense, right? That'll theme it. Like, yeah, it's like how I mean, it, in terms of environmental storytelling, uh huh. That that's it's how like he got, got into the, the castle. castle. Yeah, he yeah. snuck on in the sub. That is kind of like an interesting way to think about it. Mm-hmm. Once again, the Mario lore expands. <laughs> Uh, they say there isn't a contiguous story. They are not correct. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's those two levels and probably a, a wet dry world. <laughs> yeah, has, that also. Uh, those are the only ones I can think of that really have. Hazy Maze Cave has one cave with water. Oh, in it, it does have the Loch Ness monster. <laughs> and that one's cool because it has a Loch Ness monster in it. Yeah. So actually, that one rules. <laughs> yeah, and there's a little bit of swimming in a tiny, huge island as well. Mm hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the reason this game frustrates me, though, I think I think we definitely have enough groundwork. Yes. Uh, to <laughs> to get into it, uh, and is is simply like there are so many good things about this game that are presentational and game design. There's a lot of stuff here that goes on to become iconic and for good reason, but. The tech or something just was not there to make Mario control in the way that is necessary to do the things in the game. (laughs) And that is, to me, the biggest disconnect. Like, do I think that Mario 64 is a good game? That depends. Like, there are elements to that question. And to me, it's like, I feel like the game is tuned for a Mario that can move like Mario and Mario Sunshine. But Mario Mario 64 can't do that. He, like, has a weird momentum and stops strangely. His turning radius isn't as good as you would want it to be. Uh, And just, like, the ability to control your movement takes a lot of focus. And that's why you see these people who are really good at it, who have figured it all out. It looks like Mario has amazing controls. But when you play it... Mario feels hard to control, difficult to, like, get around with. And it's part of the challenge of the game, yes, but also there are parts of this game that are just 
that feel unfair to me mm-hmm. to play where it's like i'm not an expert at mario but i feel like this should not seem impossible uh, and i'm not just talking about slide levels in this particular <laughs> instance i think there are a lot of platforming challenges i i think if i had played it more recently I would probably point to TikTok clock because mm. my understanding of that level and from when I did play it many years ago is that every jump is a living nightmare <laughs> of moving platforms that are very small. Uh, and it's just like a lot going on. And and probably our next topic of conversation after you respond to this, mm-hmm. the camera is not helping anybody. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know how to respond to it, uh-huh. <laughs> really. Um, I guess I do have one thing, but uh, yeah, to me, few things in the world feel more familiar than how Mario controls <laughs> oh, in this yeah. game. Um, but yeah, no, I can totally see it. Like, I think I one of the things I tried to express anyway in the first half is like. He does, like, I think he feels good to control, but, like, he definitely feels different to control than, like, if you're used to more of, like, the standardized kind of feel of analog controls. Right. Um, Because, yeah, it's definitely, like, doing its own things. It was, like, the first 3D game. So it does have its quirks, and I, I imagine it's hard to adjust to if you're not, it's not embedded into your DNA. Yes. Um <laughs> Uh, but no, I think I wanted to like ask, and this may not lead to any interesting conversation, but like, do you think it, it is largely your familiarity with sunshine that will be always be the thing that like kind of holds you back from ever liking this? <laughs> cause like, I remember when like we played Mario sunshine cause I'm the opposite. I never played Mario sunshine until we did it for this podcast. Cause mm-hmm. I didn't know in a GameCube. Um, and I like the game, and I, but like there is like a weird part though at the beginning where like I'm controlling it, and I'm like, oh, like this feels familiar, like this feels like controlling Mario, and then you get the flood pack, and it's like, oh, now it's like a weird difference. Like I just want to control Mario and not have to worry about this flood pack, um, and like I just kind of describe that as like maybe like a reason like people at the time like bounced off of sunshine Mm. it's because like it felt familiar and then like it kind of forced this new thing on and they didn't like that uh but do you think you're experiencing something similar like in reverse (laughs) well i have my evidence for this is the super 3d Mm all-stars collection that they put out a couple years ago um, when that came out, uh, the first thing that I did was play Mario Sunshine. Right. And obviously I felt like a fish in water uh, <laughs> because it is a game that I'm very familiar with that I've played a whole bunch uh, and I crushed it. I beat the whole game in like a day. <laughs> like I just sat down and was like, Mario Sunshine, done. Finished it. Did that. And then I moved on to, I think I then moved on a little bit to Mario 64, played a little bit of it and was like, well, I hate this. <laughs> and... I have never, and I've never played Galaxy, so I'm just going to jump to Galaxy real quick. Mm-hmm. And Galaxy sort of opened my eyes to what I think the the actual thing is. And it is that I think that it is the tech, and I think that it is, you are right in, in that it's difficult for me to go back because of my familiarity with Sunshine, but I think it's my familiarity with modern Mario as a whole, mm-hmm. less than specifically Sunshine, because 
the tech is entirely new in Mario 64. Right. And the way that Mario controls is the way that Mario controls. And you and billions of other people just understand and know that. Mm-hmm. When I played... Sun, when I played Sunshine, everything felt normal. When I played Galaxy, it felt weird again, mm-hmm. uh, in a way that it didn't feel when I played like Odyssey when it first came out. Like I just got that; that made sense. Mm-hmm. Galaxy feels weird, and I think it is. A, I think it's a Wii hardware thing because they were controlling it with the fucking nunchuck and the and mm. the, the Wii Wii right. Yeah, so it's like a different kind of situation there as well. And eventually I got used to that one and like I finished that game. It didn't take super long either. And Mario 64 continues to bewilder me. (laughs) So like I said at the beginning, I don't think there is a world where I can brute force myself into enjoying this game. Yeah. But I do think that familiarity would make me at least better at it. Yeah. Uh, And I, I, there, and like I said, there are ways to get good enough to make Mario make sense. Uh, but I am not there, and every time that I try, it, the game breaks my desire yeah. too. <laughs> I, I just find it really fascinating because, like, it was always like, in, like you get in your own head about like your opinions and just think everyone else thinks about things the same way you do. Yeah. Because, um, like, like, to me, I feel like in every single 3D Mario game, Mario feels like Mario to control like from 64 all the way to odyssey Mm. and um obviously each game has its own spin on the mechanics and different quirks but like his like momentum and his like um just the way he feels like to jump and how he accelerates and stuff like always feels the same not actually but (laughs) like it feels like familiar in each game uh, and I just thought, I remember it like blew my mind the first time you told me you don't agree with that. <laughs> yeah, no, to me, it feels very different in, in honestly, in all of the games. Like, I think that every game has a different sort of feel. Uh, and to my, you're probably correct, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they definitely do all have like a little bit of a difference in terms of the physics and the, it, like it's a different engine every yeah. time. I, cause like in my head, I feel like you could take like 50 playable characters like uh-huh. made in like a dream style game where they're all like blank mannequins mm-hmm. four of them are programmed like mario like mario 64 <laughs> mario sunshine mario galaxy and mario odyssey mm-hmm. amongst 50 other characters and i could pick out which four were mario oh. <laughs> like in my head it's like that recognizable mm-hmm. in all of its forms well you think because to me, that like, says, I play all fifty characters, yeah, and I could tell, and even though they're blank mannequins, <laughs> I could tell you which ones were Mario out yeah. of the fifty. Because they all would, to they you, would all feel, feel like, like Mario, Mario sixty four. Well, not specifically just Mario sixty four, but they'd mm. all feel like the universal Mario feel. Sure, that yeah. I'm trying to express. Yeah, and I mean, and obviously that is sort of the thing. Like each game has a move or two that is different, mm-hmm. but they all follow the same sort of guideline i just think that there is a smoothness Mm -hmm. that honestly feels the best in sunshine and odyssey to me yeah i don't think i'd really disagree with that he's like the most fluid in those like i think mario get it yes (laughs) flood fluid um yeah mario galaxy is a weird one where i think they specifically wanted to make the controls simpler for the wii audience right and also just the Wii controller. 
Yeah. It doesn't have that many buttons on it. <laughs> I think it's got enough that it could have worked, but... Yeah. But, but they were in strange places sometimes. They were on their uh, simplification kick. They were, With yeah. the Wii, so... Yeah. Anyway, I just always found that fascinating. <laughs> yeah, because it's not like... When you think about it from a... This has become... The podcast up until now, canceled. <laughs> this is just the how does... How do you describe game feel? Yeah, it's very hard to do. Yeah, it is almost impossible. I always think about this with, like, Dark Souls and Bloodborne Mm. and, like, Dark Souls 2. Right. Because, like, when I always try to talk about, like, what makes Dark Souls 2 feel different than the other, so I was like, well, because, like, when you play Bloodborne, like... Well, like it's like well, it's faster, and you dodge. You know, it's like it's different in all these ways, but it still feels like Dark Souls, right? You know, and it feels like it's really hard to describe that. And when I'm saying it, I feel like the other person's not gonna agree with that. Yeah, because they want like <laughs> some kind of specific example, but yeah, but it's like, impossible to give it. It's like yeah, it's like the same kind of thing though. Like when you play Bloodborne, it feels like it's made by the same people that made Dark Souls, mm-hmm. and like the character has a similar sense of weight, and like. But it's just hard to convey that. Yeah. Well, because literally that's an entire... It's 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 an intangible. Yeah. It's a thing like, how do you get the sense that something is made by the same people? Like, it's not <laughs> easy to describe unless they sign it. Yeah. Or, you know, like there's like a, a IMDB director trademark or some shit. Right. Uh, you're like, oh, of course, they put the Cadillac in the movie. <laughs> uh, but, like, the <laughs> when you look at, at Mario 64... Versus Mario Sunshine versus Mario Galaxy. Just all the ones that are included in the Switch game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would look at all of them and say, they play the same. They control the same way. Yeah. But to me and to you, to a certain extent, with yeah. like Sunshine and stuff, just feels very different. It feels like there's divergence. Mm-hmm. Uh, divergence, even. Uh, it, it Like, between the two. And, and to me, it's just like, Mario 64 feels like playing with a sandbag strapped to my hands and knees. It's just weird. Yeah. Oh, but hey, uh, remember that fuck-ass camera that sucks? Yeah, so to me, the camera... Also, quickly, to preface this conversation, camera in Sunshine sucks also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not defending that. (laughs) Yeah, to me, the camera is the big thing about this game. Like, if I gave it to somebody, Mm -hmm. like, that's going to be the thing in my head that's going to make them bounce off of it. Um, Yeah, it sucks that they remade this game for the DS. Because, like... (laughs) I feel like it's deterring them from doing it again. Like, I feel like like when they put out the 3D All-Stars collection, and I, I played through Mario 64 and then was going to play through Sunshine and was got busy and have never picked it back up again. <laughs> uh, but I would like to play it and Galaxy at some point. But, um, yeah, I, I played through Mario 64, and I was like, man, like... I wonder if there's, like, a mod on, like, Dolphin or whatever, some emulator Mm -hmm. that, like, gives this game, like, an unlocked camera. Because I feel like that would make a world of difference. Oh, yeah. Because it, like, it tries to do, like, probably what was, like, the best solution at the time for, like, the N64, like, if you have one analog stick, where, like, you can, like, snap the camera behind you, you can go into a weird Mario mode that lets you kind of look around more freely. Right. Um, but, like, a lot of times it tries to, like, pick a specific angle that, like, it's programmed to think is the best 
for the sequence you're going through right. and you often disagree with that i'd want to move it and like sometimes you can and other times it bumps into the wall and won't let you and mm -hmm. you're just like so like to me that's like the 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 worst thing about it like you're always fighting the camera when you go back to this they specifically call it out in the intro to the game they're like we're gonna be filming from the recommended angle i'm like horseshit <laughs> no you are not you're filming wherever the fuck you want to be uh but yeah it, it is like uh, the the camera is the type of camera that cannot pass through walls mm -hmm. uh one because it takes more resources to do because you have to occlude the wall when you go through it right but uh importantly it buzzes at you when <laughs> whenever you try and move it too far which if you're playing it has a little picture they made a little graphic it's did. like a little camera with an x through it yeah if you are playing this game on a controller with two analog sticks like i would say most people who are playing the game for the first time now there's nobody playing this game for the first time now right there is mm -hmm. uh they're playing it on a controller with two sticks you your instincts are not gonna be in line with this game's reality mm -hmm. whatsoever and when you hear that eh, eh, you're just gonna try and do it again uh every time and it's gonna get really annoying and when you try and look around in mario mode uh, you'll use the right stick to look around, even though you have to use the left stick to look around because the N64 <laughs> had buttons and not a stick on the mm -hmm. right side. Uh, and it's going to jack you out of Mario mode and back into regular camera mode <laughs> while you're doing it. And you're going to be confused and go, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. And then you have to recenter yourself. So it's a bad camera system that was probably implemented out of necessity that has become worse over time and plays terribly on modern hardware. Yeah, it just—it makes no sense that they didn't re that they didn't do the camera system again. Yeah, it's a sh <laughs> it's a shame. Yeah, like, like Sunshine too. Like I I like Sunshine, but like the biggest thing to me is like how the camera behaves when you're using the flood and you're trying to turn. Uh -huh. Like Jesus Christ, <laughs> it's it just like, like it's whips around. Yeah, it's like programmed to like do the least optimal thing it could possibly do. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's a shame they didn't update the camera at all. Yeah. Because I think, like, Zelda got lucky, um, that, like, Wind Waker and Twilight Princess are both on GameCube, which had a stick. Right. Uh, even if it was a weird C-stick, so that when they did the, uh, the remasters, they could just give it regular camera controls easily. Yep. because, uh, like, I think both franchises fall into, like, a weird time zone, uh, like with the bulk of their 3D catalogs as of right now, fall into an era where they didn't have full, like their 3D games without like camera control. Right. It, it's very bizarre. It's extremely weird. Uh, I mean, it's weird for, yeah, like the way these games have aged um, that, yeah, they don't have that. So like, yeah, it's one of the things that like, I th I think this game has gotten to the point now. Like I feel like Nintendo likes to hold it up and polish it as their crown jewel and like you know be like it's great as it is it does not need touched um i think it's 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 time it's time to touch it it's time to yeah give remake this game what? yeah do you think that they have like mickey mouse syndrome where they're like we don't want to fuck with mario yes. 64 because it's too sacred yes i think that's their attitude Mm. Uh, but I think I think we've gotten to a point now where like it, it it would really I think be cool to see it remade. I kind of it agree. feels appropriate now. I think it wouldn't have like ten years ago. Yeah. What they should do is do what 
uh, and forgive me for saying anyone should do something that Blizzard did, uh, <laughs> but do what they did with Diablo 2's maps being ported into Diablo 3, mm. or maybe it was Diablo 1 or whatever, I forget what it was, I wasn't playing the game when it happened, uh, and just take all of Mario 64 and push it into Super Mario Odyssey. You could do that. Essentially, uh, just like as like an expansion. Yeah. It's just a remake of Mario 64. Because <laughs> you, you could do so many things to smooth out the experience and make it less... Uh, all of the things that the game is because it is old. And you could do it in a way that people won't be like, they've ruined Mario 64. It's mm-hmm. like, no, they added content to yeah. Mario Odyssey. Uh, that's the secret. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you do that, and then if people receive it well, then you can work <laughs> on doing an actual remake. Mario Odyssey plus Peach's Castle. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Because you have, you've got the castle in the game already. You just mm-hmm. go in and put the paintings in, and then you're done. It's that easy. Yeah. They, they, they wouldn't have to program the whole thing Yeah. <laughs> I wonder, like, I feel like everybody expected them to add a Mario 64 level yeah. as like DLC, but they just never did DLC for Mario Odyssey. So I wonder what their the Mario team's been doing. Mario, just as a side, just as a side note, that is a good question. We'll speculate on that on our fu- on a future episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Mario is not not famous for DLC. Not a no. game that has much of it. Uh, uh, we can't talk about Super Mario 64 and not talk about music. Yes. Uh, it rules. Hell yeah. Except that one song. <laughs> See, I think I like that song. Uh, and, for, but I, I For the audience, the song is the slide song. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's just that it gets overplayed in the game. Like the, 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 all the music, I think, in my opinion, is good. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, the limited cartridge space, meaning they have to reuse all the songs like five times, <laughs> yeah, really hurts it. It does. I, I think that the problem with uh, the whistle song, the slide song, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, is, well, I don't like it generally, mm-hmm. and I have negative emotions <laughs> tied up in it because it's played during the slide levels. Right. It should not have ever been used as a main stage theme, and it is. Yeah. Uh, for Rainbow Ride and TikTok Clock? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, oof is yeah, all I have to say row, about that. Yeah. Two in a row with the same song, with the same ear piercing, <laughs> uh, like, intro that gets repeated. The melody is fine, but it's just like there's a lot going on with it. And especially Rainbow Ride, where half the fucking level. And it's long. You're standing still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I agree that. Uh... It works better it's like for the slide levels, you know, like it's for something shorter because mm-hmm. it is a bit too repetitive. Uh, I think they could have gotten away with it for maybe TikTok Clock because it's pretty frantic. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, not a good match for <laughs> Rainbow Ride. Uh, does Boo's Big Haunt, does Boo's Big Score <laughs> just have ambient noise and not a song or am i yes, misremembering it? it does and that's a good call it's so sick it's got like yeah. ghosts laughing in the background and stuff <laughs> it's just like wind yeah what a terrifying when, level when the piano chomps at you it's all the more startling and it's true it's one it's the number one scariest thing to ever happen in video games mm-hmm. uh, and we all know this and we do all know it uh and i'll mention 
I don't remember if I put this conversation in an episode at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. It may be in a bloopers episode, but I don't think it is. Uh, we jokingly did a list of our top five favorite songs from Mario Brothers. Mm-hmm. And by we, I mean, I did it. And uh-huh. you sat there and went like, we're trying to do a sound test. Why are you just talking this much? Uh-huh. Uh, and I did put on that list, uh, Above on Battlefield, as one of the top five. It does slap. It's so good. It's such a good song. Mm-hmm. Uh that's that's my high and low light of the music. <laughs> yeah, I also think Dire Dire Docks is an all-time classic Mario song. Great track. Uh, who knows which one I'll use. <laughs> I'm just going to use the whistle song. <laughs> uh, I assumed you would probably go with Bob on Battlefield, but I'll offer as an alternative, uh-huh. uh, if you want to consider one, uh, the menu music, I think, is really great. It's super good, The yeah. one that I always forget about, and I'm like, oh, until I start up the game, I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> This song is so good. Yeah, no, it is really good. And it also is... Well, I guess the menu itself is not beautiful because it starts as just being a giant... That's something we can mention Mm -hmm. on the way out. Uh, (laughs) The big Mario head. Big Mario head. The menu in this game is unhinged (laughs) uh, in a way that you don't see anymore. You can mess up his face and stuff. (laughs) Yeah, but it doesn't like... It just says... It's not reflective of the game. Mm -hmm. The menu is just a big Mario head and and then the game loading. Yeah. There's like an intro video of the castle mm-hmm. and then it's just a uh, psychedelic nightmare for a few seconds and yeah. then you play the game it's this yeah. weird interstitial yeah it, it has like well i think it's just like the joy of like the idea of like this is a 3d game like look at the 3d model of mario and fuck with it <laughs> um but yeah like it, it has some of that like early 90s like photoshop was just invented and maybe we did or maybe we didn't have it right uh, um <laughs> like graphics were like the background to the mario head is just the logo <laughs> tiled <laughs> and then like the actual like where you pick the file um it's like these like just wood texture frames and like stuff that they got off a cd that they bought from somewhere you know right. like it just has like that old uh old computer graphics feel to it the game's <laughs> ui has like four different fonts in it yeah. for some reason there's a lot of 90s design going on oh yeah here it's yeah it's it's very endearing i yeah. think <laughs> so, yeah, that's the best they could do man uh it is it is endearing i i do not dock points for questionable graphic design <laughs> in 1996 on a nintendo 64 yes uh but yeah, it is it is funny though coming back to it to see that wildness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think I unless you want to like do any quick hits of like some favorite levels. Oh yeah, or, or like moments or stars or whatever. That's a good point. We didn't we talked about levels and their design generally, but not like just said what our favorites are. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite level, I mean, outside of Bob on Battlefield, which is the complete package, it's the game that makes me want to play Mario 64 before the other levels tell me <laughs> that I don't actually. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it is, I do hold it up as being one of the better ones uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, but I want to say that my favorite level outside of it, this might seem strange, is Lethal Lava Land. Uh, I think that it embraces the simplicity 
and makes a, a level that's just fun to platform in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've talked about this on a different episode that I'm blanking on, but it's pretty recent. Uh, but Mario still is the game that does fire the best because when you fall in it, you don't die. Yeah, there's like the escalation of um, punishment. Yes. Because like in the early levels, there's not as much room for falling off the level. It mm-hmm. still happens, but um, it's harder to do. And then you have like the middle levels where you have like, yeah, like the lava that you where you fall in it, and then you can bounce, and it either gives you more time to get to land, mm-hmm. or it can be abused by good players <laughs> to like skip over jumps and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so there gets to be like a like a skill ceiling type thing uh, for good players, and then and Mario goes what. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and it's a great sound effect. It's really good. Uh, and then, yeah, and then you have the later levels, which are like fucking TikTok Clock and Rainbow Ride, where you're falling all the time. <laughs> yeah, just so, con- yeah, literally constantly. It's a really cool escalation of like how falling off platforms is handled. Right. Yeah, honestly, I think Plum's Fortress kind of ends up breaking the mold a little bit by by being easier to fall off. Well, yeah, I, I think it's uh, Tall Tall or Cool Cool Mountain, cool, cool Mountain is the one that's like, fuck you. Yeah. This is the second <laughs> level and ice physics sliding down the mountain with a penguin. Don't fall <laughs> off. Good luck. Uh, Christ. Um, oh, is this mm, mm-hmm. Free as Easy Peaks? Is that a... That's, That's Banjo-Kazooie. Banjo-Kazooie. Yeah. What's the other snow The one level? with the big snowman? Yeah. Uh, hold on. Will I be able to think of it? Is it Snow-Ass Peaks? It's not Snow-Ass Peaks. <laughs> <sighs> I'm not going to be able to think of it. That level does functionally nothing for me. It's mm. it's kind of a gray square. When I think about Mario 64, it is the last level I think about, as evidenced by the <laughs> fact that we're at the end of the podcast and I just remembered yeah, it. Yeah, I, I feel like it, uh, Tall Tall Mountain and Tiny Huge Island were always like that for me. Uh, um, ones that I just kind of like forget about. Yeah, for me, I think the best levels are in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Lethal Lava Land, Shifting Sand Land, and um, Hazy Maze Cave. Yeah. And uh, Big Boo's Haunt. I think all those four are among my favorites. And I think of the first four, Bob on Battlefield and Thwomp's Fortress. Are, I, I think Thwomp's Fortress is pretty good. Yeah. I like that you can shoot into the wall. And yeah, break blast it. into the wall. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And that's one of those things. Shoot into the wild blue. Shoot into the wild blue. <laughs> I, that's one of the things where, like, when I. Uh, when we played. Ocarina of Time, mm-hmm. another game that I infamously feel kind of <laughs> negatively about, despite it being a classic. Uh-huh. Uh, I mentioned, like, I've seen enough speedruns of the game that I remembered that there was a way that you could, like, jump over the wall in Kakariko oh, yeah. uh, really early and did it on my playthrough. I was like, haha. The, to the the version of that for it is that I remember where that star is, and it's the first one that I get on yeah. Bob's Fortress every time. <laughs> I'm like, all oh, right, you got to do the thing. I think you have to like unlock the cannon first as like, a yeah, second yeah, yeah. star, but whatever. Uh, have to do it every time. Don't know why. Um, that's a good level. Mm-hmm. Shifting Sandland is good, but it has like a whole half of the level that I feel like is just random bullshit they <laughs> yeah. put in a pile, <laughs> like with the moving blocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you go under. Uh, 
And it also has the unfortunate distinction of being the only level that has a mechanic that, as far as I know, isn't signaled to the player in any way, and that being able to run up the side oh, of the yeah. walls. I always wonder if that's a bug. Like, it's <laughs> like you aren't supposed to be able to do that. It would, I have since, no clue. I don't know how you're supposed to get up there otherwise. I think you're supposed to fly there with the wing cap. Oh, I guess that would make sense. Yeah. I've I've known about because I exist on planet Earth. Uh-huh. I know you can run up the wall. Yeah, but time cannot erase that particular <laughs> weird decision or bug, whichever way it yeah. is. Just a strange thing that you can run up this. Or it might you be like a backdoor way to get up there if you're having trouble flying around. That's true. I always have trouble flying. Yeah. Oh, it, it's it's hard. When you don't have, like, a high spot to start from. Yeah. Because, yeah, like, <laughs> in Shifting Sandland, it's just, like, that weird platform at the beginning <laughs> yeah. where you're supposed to triple jump off of. And, like, you, it's hard to get the altitude you need. If you have the distance to triple jump anywhere else in Shifting Sandland, you're going to end up in a hole. Yeah. <laughs> in, the, in the Shifting Sand. Yes. Yeah, that's pretty much good, I think. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's those are Those are the levels I liked and the levels that you liked. Do we have dire, dire thoughts? Uh, my dire, dire thoughts are, uh, yeah, uh, God, this is one of those games that <laughs> Dude, same. It, it's, it's hard because like on the one hand, I am one of those people that's really nostalgic to this. Mm-hmm. I still keep it in my top 10 favorite games, uh, even though like I would compare it to like, like to music and I'm curious whether or not you relate to this or if this is a more unique to me thing. There are certain bands where, like, I listen to them so much that I can't really listen to them anymore. Mm-hmm. It, like, it's like I, I the, their music comes on. It's like it goes in one ear and out the other. Like, I can't concentrate on it or it just doesn't do anything for me anymore. Um <laughs> There's only a couple of bands I've ever reached that point with, but uh, I kind of feel like that way about Mario 64 uh, as the years go on. Like, I still enjoy it. Um, A lot of, like, the music and the presentation and things, like, still, you know, I still think it's fun. I still like it. But, like, it's definitely, like, it's aged. It's definitely, like, something that doesn't feel as amazing and grand as it once did. Um, which is like a weird, it's a weird headspace to be in when you're playing a thing, uh, especially when it's like held up as like a pillar of video games. Um, it's starting, it's definitely got a full head of gray hair now. <laughs> um, but, uh, that weird, uh, experience aside, I think like it's kind of remarkable how many things in this game do still impress do still hold up um like yeah like the hub world still feels very creative and interesting um i brought this up on the ocarina of time final thoughts i think (laughs) but um i think it also applies to this where it's like you can kind of tell like nintendo was kind of like at the top of their game when they made this like there's so many like fun creative like ideas in here like we said like oh it's like oh we're making a 3d game so we'll put the 3d model of the head and people can mess around with it (laughs) oh it's gonna have a camera system and people might think that's weird so we're gonna have a cameraman film the game and it'll have the part where you could see him in the mirror and it's fun (laughs) uh you know we'll put a level inside of an enemy we'll do you know there's so many like interesting ideas i feel like they were like 
really ahead of the curve on that like other people making 3d platformers it took them a generation to catch up mm. um because they just were like doing enough to like get the game working uh you know but like i think they really went above and beyond and put a lot of joy and fun and creativity into this and i think that's the thing that still makes it worthwhile um yeah so i guess i i do really like it i still you know think it's a very important game and that's not changed um it's just uh I, yeah, I don't know. It's a weird. <laughs> it's 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 getting older, and I guess I'm coming to terms with that. <laughs> uh, These are our sobering final yeah. final thoughts. Because <laughs> like I'm familiar with the idea of like coming back to a game I liked as a kid and being like, oh, this fucking sucks. Right. Or returning to a game I liked as a kid and it holding up. Like this isn't a weird middle ground mm-hmm. that I, I. It's my first time. <laughs> Uh, really uh, having an experience with a game like that. Yeah. I think Super Mario 64 is a bad game that no one should play. No. <laughs> God, I really did. I wanted to... If this was me five years ago, mm-hmm. not only has Mario 64 gotten old, <laughs> we have also gotten old. Yeah. Five years ago, I feel like I would have wanted to have been way more bombastic on this podcast and come in and be like mars sucks can't turn around with him he slides (laughs) off the fucking map all the time he's a piece of shit and this game sucks ass uh and i just can't bring myself to go to that level of hyperbole anymore uh this game is important for good reason and uh like like most of the things you said are very true i think that you can tell that the brain's in the heads of the people who are working on this game were thinking of things years ahead of where they were going. And I think they also had an understanding that this game, if their goals were met with this game, that it would change how games are perceived indefinitely. And I think that that did happen. Mario 64 is like video game the video game like it's it's one of the things that you cannot avoid when you're talking about games and it's for pretty good reason i think this introduced not only a lot of people to the idea of 3d games like nobody played sonic 3d on the (laughs) fucking sega genesis and went like oh this is the future of video games they were probably like wow it's a lot of checkerboards guys uh and so to me this is like a very that actually have come out after this i don't remember uh <laughs> so this is like it, it it feels groundbreaking in a lot of ways the the hub world does feel like it's still the best fucking one that's ever been done somehow uh they had killer staff in terms of design fucking goddamn koji kondo can't write a bad song except one uh his entire life dude just cranks out hits uh and like the recognition of mario as a as a character up to this point uh everything was kind of there to make this game successful and when it hit it hits really big and everybody now points back and says remember mario 64 and everybody's of course i did i play that every fucking day of my entire life uh, and then I used it to uh, as inspiration when I made Jack and Daxter. And you go, okay, it makes a lot of sense. They play sort of the same. So for that, I can't give Mario any shit. 
I do think that if you're a brand new player and you hear everybody talk about Super Mario 64, the idea that you're going to have in your head is better than what the game is because of its age. Uh, but I also think that a lot of people in that situation will probably play Bob on Battlefield and then put the game down because they only set aside 20 minutes to do it. Maybe they'll come back later. Uh, but if that is their whole experience, uh, Mario 64 is the most kick-ass demo for itself ever because the beginning of this game sets the rest of it up uh, to be better than it actually, I think, <laughs> is. Uh, and <laughs> and so for a new player, I think the beginning of Mario 64 is a great way to educate yourself on why this game looks so good uh, to people looking back. And then the rest of it can just exist in a nebulous world where you know it's there and they've got funny names for the levels and stuff, but uh, doesn't need to be played. Uh, that's a weird take to have, and I realize <laughs> that, but that's that's where I'm at with it. Uh, 10 out of 10. <laughs> Best game ever made. Best game ever made. Scariest thing in video games? Piano and Mario 64. <laughs> Best video game moment of all time. <laughs> Thank you for listening to No Clip this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, we're going to be talking about The Legend of Zelda. Tears of the Kingdom. There it is. Not the first one. <laughs> Maybe someday. Uh, uh, this one, as a warning, I suppose, uh, this game just came out for us living in the present day, uh, a couple weeks ago, two weeks, something like that, uh, and is a big fucking, uh, current generation open world game, uh, meaning that it's gonna take like a hundred and some old hours to play, uh, and so this episode is gonna be a little late, probably, mm -hmm. uh, probably like a week. Maybe if it looks like it's going to go to two weeks, maybe I'll release it early, do a week and a half. We'll see. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, just, uh, just you know. It's, just a heads up. Yeah, sorry in advance for that. <laughs> but we got a surprise uh, for it. Mm -hmm. Until that time. You can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com or on splattershot.pro. There you can find links to our Twitter account, our email address, the Discord, where you can suggest games for us to play. Uh, and you can listen to all of our old episodes, including episodes on Super Mario Sunshine, Super Mario Odyssey, Super Mario 3D World, Super Mario RPG. Also, Bowser's Fury on that last one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Not in the RPG episode. That'd be pretty weird. <laughs> I don't know. We've done other stuff. Yeah. Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. That's got Mario in it. A hat in time. Hat in time. Psychonauts. Yep. Etc. Platformers. Uh, I had... <laughs> I, I remembered that the name of that snow level is Snowman's Land. <laughs> in the middle of your... Uh, Outro. Oh, Snow. That's even a pretty good name. It is. Yeah. Uh, so long, Gay Bowser. <laughs>